we're going to talk about something that's really, really close to my heart, not just because I'm a parent, but because Amy and I were youth and kids pastors for eight years uh, before we came here. But uh, we're going to talk about the next generation. We've been talking about things that are our vision and our values, what is important to us as a church family. So we talked about our purpose. We talked about what was important to us and our foundation. We talked about things that are uh, very important to us, a church family. We talked about generosity. We talked about being spirit-empowered. Today we're going to talk about being uh, intentional about the next generation. And this is something this church has been good at for generations. Uh, Our church has always been a strong church in youth ministry, kids ministry. We've always been strong supporters of our camp system. Uh, As you know, Pastor Joe, who was my predecessor, was uh, actually worked at the camp. He was big into next generation. And uh, we've had a strong power kids in youth ministry, Pastor Kenny and Adrian and Amber. They do a great job with our kids. Uh, but how many of you know, if you're watching a relay race, it's pretty incredible to watch these guys, right? And the teamwork is really important. If you're a relay runner, we've got some runners in the congregation here. Uh, so teamwork's really important. But what's the most important part of a relay race? The handoff, the pass, passing the baton. It's... <laughs> I used to try to run when I was a teenager. I always tried to do baton races, you know, and I would reach back to grab the baton and I would drop it or I would hit the kid and make him stumble. I was never good at the handoff. Uh, so it was not my thing. Uh, but as a church, how many of you know the handoff to the next generation is one of the most important things we can do? Yeah. I'm going to say that one more time. How many of you know as a congregation the most important thing we can do is the handoff to the next generation? We have to pass our faith down to the next generation. As parents, our primary job is to make sure that our kids know Jesus, right? We see all throughout Scripture, this is one of our most important jobs is to have a godly marriage and pass that faith down to our kids. If you're a single parent, one of the most important things you can do is pass the faith down to your kids. As a church, we have to pass leadership down to the next generation, because, you know, we, we say, you know, our kids and our church, they're, the, they're the, the future of the church. Well, really, they are the church right now. Our teenagers are the church right now. And so it's super important to pass our faith down. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can hit events. And all it's, I think, more than events. It's all in there. If you're online, you can do that as well. You can see all the notes there. Psalm 78, starting in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. Now, when the Bible says, open your ears to what I'm saying, what does that mean? Open your ears. <laughs> listen. Parents, you say that to your kids all the time. Listen to what I'm saying. That's what the Bible is saying here. The psalmist is saying, listen, this is important. What's coming next? For I will teach you in a parable. This is actually a prophecy of Jesus teaching in parables. But he says, I'm going to teach you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. So he's saying we need to learn from what? The past. He's saying, look, learn from our ancestors, from what they did. So in verse 4, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the what? Next generation. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the what? 
next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commandments. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. So the psalmist here is saying it's incredibly important that we pass down our faith to the next generation who then in turn can pass it down to their generation. So guys, I know sitting in our congregation, watching online right now, some of you come down from a lineage of godly parents and godly grandparents. You have an incredible legacy of faith that was passed down to you and you're passing down to your kids. Others of you are here and you're the very first generation to ever know Jesus. So your job is to now pass it on to your kids or to your grandkids and great-grandkids. And some of you have kids who are not serving Jesus right now. I know, I understand that. Some of you have parents who are not serving Jesus now. But we do the best we can to influence them, right? To teach them and to help them. And sometimes we have to just do our best with the grandkids or the great-grandkids and teach them, but pour into them. And so... It's important that we pass this faith down, that we hand this down. What happens if a church is all adults and they don't pass the faith down to the next generation? What happens to that church? They die out. And we see it all the time. We see churches die because we don't want kids in our church because they what? They mess up the carpet. They mess up the building. I had a friend who was a youth pastor in a town while we were youth pastors. He did a lock-in. One of his kids managed to break a urinal. Not break the plumbing. He actually broke the urinal, like crushed it. And the pastor came. He said, what happened? He said, I don't know. I, it's, you know it's. And then there, were, there was milk and bananas in the baptismal tank, you know. And he's like, what but, but you know what? They understood. They were passing the faith down. That happens. Don't get any ideas. But that happens, right? You pass the faith down to the next generation. Sometimes stuff breaks, but it's what? Totally worth it. It's worth having stains on the carpet or panels broken off in the church van or whatever it takes to pass the faith down to the next generation. Because if we don't, our churches are going to die and the faith won't be handed down. So, so we see in the Old Testament, we're told in the Old Testament to pass our faith down to our children but to do that, we must first be completely committed to the Lord. We have to be completely sold out to him ourselves. He said we have to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your Children, talk about them when you're at home or when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So I said here, we have to pass it down. But first, we have to be what? We have to be committed ourselves. Because here's the thing. If I try to teach my kids about Jesus and I'm not committed myself, what happens? They see through it. Kids and teenagers are incredible lie detectors. <laughs> They're going to know if you're not living it. And they're going to say, well, why are you telling me this if you don't do it? If you teach your kids to floss, but you don't ever floss yourselves, what do they say? Well, you don't do it. Why should I have to? Right? So same thing. We have to teach them. 
In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So we see that if we don't do this, if we don't commit ourselves wholly to the Lord, we can't pass it down. So we have to be committed ourselves. We need to make sure that our family interactions reflect this. We need to make sure the way that we live our lives in front of our kids shows that we're committed to him. We have to do that. And when we're truly committed, we can then pass our faith down to our children and our grandchildren. The Lord said, repeat them again and again. Repeat these laws again and again. Talk to them with your kids. Tell them about who I am. So we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about it. And so we can do this by integrating the word into our lives. We can integrate God's word into our lives, our everyday lives, everything that we do. So how do you do this? Well, just talk about it, right? Talk about what God has done. Talk about what he says in our everyday lives. Make it part of your dinner conversation. And guys, we're trying to make this as easy as we can. We have what we call (laughs) the Bible Engagement Project. This is something we're using in our Sunday school classes. This is something you have on your phone. Why? Because we have our phones with us all the time. Right? What happens if you get your phone? You turn around and go back home to grab it. We live for years and years and years without it, but now we can't live without it, right? So we have the Bible Engagement Project on our phones. Your kids are doing the same lessons in their Sunday school classes you are doing in yours. If you don't come to Sunday school, talk to me. We can get you plugged in with this thing, even if you don't come to Sunday school classes. But there are also family devotions on there you can do together. We're making this as easy as possible to integrate the Word into our everyday lives and to be able to talk about it, to have intentional conversations about what God is doing. So we need to make sure that we're committed. We integrate the Word into our everyday lives and we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to God's ways. So guys, we need to make sure that we are committed and then we're passing it down. Now you're saying, well, you're a pastor, that's easy. We have to do just like everybody else, right? All of us have to be intentional about passing this faith on to our kids. And you may say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't have any kids. That's okay. We've got a church full of kids you can pour into. Come on Wednesday nights. There are kids everywhere in this building that you can pour into. And it doesn't have to be a creepy thing. You're like, hey, listen, kid. No, just in your everyday life, pass it down. You probably have neighbors You can be that next-door neighbor that gives away cookies and then talk to him about Jesus, right? We had one van driver that used to pull up and go, hey, kid, you want to go to church? You want to hop in? I'll give you candy. (laughs) Don't do that. We had to make him stop doing that because that that was creepy. But find ways to be intentional about talking to your neighbors about Jesus, about your kids' friends. If you have kids and their friends come over, be intentional about that. Find ways. So we see that. And then the New Testament We see generational discipleship modeled. What is generational discipleship? That is one generation discipling the next and vice versa. So we see the kids are a priority to Jesus. In Matthew 18, verses 2 through 6, this is one we read every time we do a baby dedication. It says, He, Jesus, called a little child to him and put the child among them. He said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
If anyone causes one of these little children, one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for them to have a large millstone tied around his neck and drown in the depths of the sea. So Jesus is saying kids are a what? Priority. Children are a priority to Jesus. So children should be a priority to us. And guys, here's the thing. We have children and youth all over town, all over our country, who don't have an opportunity to know Jesus. They don't have anyone to tell them. They don't have a, the parents in their homes don't know Christ, so they don't tell their kids about Christ. So whose job is it? It's ours. Take every opportunity to share Jesus with those around you. Take every opportunity. Find ways to get involved. And those of you who are teachers who work in the school system, man, God has put you in an incredible position to be an influence. I can still tell you about teachers I had when I was in high school, and I wasn't a Christian, but they would pour into me. They would talk to me. They would you know, have a Bible on their desk, and they would talk about, about going to church and about Jesus, and that's kind of what put that idea in my head when I was a student. So, and here's an amazing thing, guys. When the church started reaching out to Gentiles, we see that Paul mentored Timothy. You say, well, yeah, that was his job. He was a, he was a missionary. He was an evangelist. What, gener- what nationality was Paul? He was Jewish. Gentiles were people that were unclean to Jews, right? And Timothy was a what? Gentile. He was somebody Paul should not have been hanging around with. And then Paul realized that God loved everybody. And so he takes this young Gentile that he sees potential in, who came from a single-parent family. A mom and a grandma raised him. And he brought him in and he mentored him. He took him under his wing. You see the story in Acts chapter 16. But look at what he says about Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul took Timothy under his wing and became kind of a father figure to him because Timothy didn't have a father figure. So, guys, there are children, there are teenagers around you all the time, if you open your eyes to look, that you can be a father figure to, a mother figure to. You can be a godly influence to. It may be that kid that comes to your house with your friends that annoys you to no end. (laughs) But if you open your eyes, you can see an opportunity. Have them over for meals. Have them over to hang out. Just pour into their lives. And it doesn't mean you have to take your Bible out and smack them in the head every time they come in the door. Some of them might need it, but it doesn't necessarily need to do that yet. But just find opportunities to share and to love and to pour into them. I know when Amy and I were youth pastors, we used to have kids over to our house to eat dinner. And they would say that was the only time they ever sat down at a table with anybody. Their family just didn't do that. And so they would come over and hang out. And it wasn't, we didn't make anything extravagant. We just let them hang out. And we sometimes had to kick these kids out when our kids went to bed. Like, you've got to go home. Go away. Uh, it was just loving them. It was just doing simple things like serving meals, playing video games with them, taking them out for ice cream. Just do small gestures just to show, hey, you are valuable. When Michaela, my daughter, was in second grade, Amy and I volunteered in her classroom. We were kind of room parents at the school. And so we'd have these little math games we'd do with kids. And it was so funny because these kids would come over. I would just call them one at a time up, and then Amy would do it on another day. And 
we do these little math games with them. And it was so fun because I would, you know, they would get an answer. I'd be like, hey, you're so smart. And they're like, really? And so they would come up, hey, can I do that again? Why? Was it because they wanted to do math? No. They wanted to hear somebody tell them they were valuable and they were smart. Someone who would take time with them. that The teachers couldn't because they had 30 kids in there. So guys, there are all kinds of opportunities. If you just say, Lord, would you show me a way to get involved? God will show you. He'll open doors. And we see in our country a crisis of hopeless children and teens. There are so many students, so many kids in our community all around us who have nobody to share hope with. And guys, check this out. Fatherlessness has reached crisis status in our country. Listen to this. This came from the U.S. Census uh, that they did in 2020. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, 18.3 million, that's one in four children, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. One out of four students in our country in 2020 live without some kind of father figure in their home. And that's not just dad, that's stepdad, that's grandpa, that's uncles. Consequently, there's a father factor in nearly all social ills facing America today. So there are so many kids, and that's just fatherless. That's single-parent households. That's moms doing their very best, but they need some kind of father figure in that kid's life. And that's where men in the church come in. There are men. I know some men who are raising kids on their own without a mom in the house. That's where they need women who can step in and just be like, hey, let me love you. And guys, that's why God has put the church together the way that he has. God has put the church in a unique position because we have what? We have families all over our church. God puts churches together with generations all together in one place. And you may say, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about kids. They bother me. All right? They're teenagers. <laughs> you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not real crazy about anybody under 20. There are young adults <laughs> that you can mentor. Guys, some of you may say, well, you know, I'm a widow. I'm a widower. I don't. I don't have any of that in my life. You could take a young couple and mentor them, pour into them. You could take young parents and pour into them. I know Miss Ella, she hates it when I call her out, but I know Miss Ella has, has mentored parent after parent after parent after parent in her years. So there are some of you here who just say, you know, I could, I could, I could do that. And even if you don't want to talk, you may say, you know, I don't even like talking to people. That's okay. You can pray. You can pick someone. You don't even have to tell them. Just pick one couple or one kid or one teen and pray for them. Because we need people to pray. So guys, all of us have opportunities to pour into that next generation. And that's one of the, the focuses of our church. I know our, uh, our superintendent, he's the head of the Assemblies of God. He spoke at our, gener- our district council a couple months ago. He spoke to our pastors And he gave his testimony. His dad was a pastor. His parents were pastors. And his dad passed away suddenly. Uh, And so his mom wasn't sure what was going to happen. She said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay here, if I'm going to, you know, whatever. But you know what that church did? They took that kid in. And he tells the story of how people took him in. They called him Duggar. (laughs) And they took him in. They took him to ball games. They took him out to eat. Men in his church stepped up and stepped into that role to be there for him. And because of that, he grew up as a healthy adult, and, you know, he's pastor of churches. He's been district youth directors. Now he's the head of the global assemblies of God. 
And he says, he said at our thing, he said, if these men hadn't stepped in, I don't know where I would be. But these men took an opportunity to step in. And guys, some of you have that opportunity. They may not be kids in church. They may be kids on your baseball team. They may be kids in the school. They may be your neighbors. But you have that opportunity to step in and just be a Christ-like example to them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Pastor Kenny come up here in just a moment. Um, but because of this, because of all these things, one of our church's core values is investing in families. One of our core values, you'll see it on the signs out in the lobby, is pouring into families. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18, the psalmist said, Oh God, you've taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, but let me proclaim your power to the new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. So as a church family, we have the opportunity to invest in families. We have the opportunity to pour into this next generation so they can rise up and take the church to the next level, to the next place. And our church has a great history of that, and we want to keep that up. So I'm going to ask Pastor Kenny come up, and he's just going to share some wins, some things that God has done in our students, and some of the things that, that we need help with with our students. All right. So Pastor X texted me a couple of days ago or earlier this week, and he's like, hey, just want you to take five minutes and share some wins and needs. And so I sat down, and I was just thinking um, about this church and about how they invest in youth. I don't know if you guys know, but this church, most of you probably know, this church has such a rich history of building students up and sending them out. We were at General Council in Orlando, Florida, and one of our students was representing one of our Christian colleges, North Point Bible College. And that's such an awesome thing. And, and it's, it's not just because of us as pastors, but it's, it's us as a community of believers who are helping build these people up. Because it, most of you know Christopher Haluska, his, his dad passed away, or dad was not in the picture, right? And so we as a community helped build him up, helped help him become the man he was. And it's not just me, not just Pastor Rex, but it was everybody together. But so I was sitting there thinking, I've got a list, so I don't forget anything I wanted to say. I was thinking, and, and one major win came out to me in the last few months, and we were at camp. I don't remember what night it was, but one of our students uh, texted me and says, hey, I need to talk to you um, sometime. And I said, fine, let's just talk. And so we talked. And he just, this person just laid out their their situations laid out their heart to me and we were just chatting and chatting while the end of the service was going on and the altar time was going on and and I prayed with him in that moment and I was like all right let's go ahead and go back after we were done praying and I was camp director so I wasn't really sitting with the students but I was in the back of the room with with Daniel Holbrook and all of a sudden I just felt like God told me he's like you need to go back to that student and you need to see if he's willing to go to the front and just offer everything at my feet. And so it was such a powerful moment because I went up there and I was like, hey, this is what I feel like God is telling me, that we need to go and we need to lay these at God's feet. And so in, in a, a physical act of just a semblance, we went up to the front, got down on our knees, and literally just laid our hands at God's feet and said, God, here's everything that's happening. Here's everything that's going on. It's all yours. And it was such a great moment, and I'm not a hugger at all. If you know me, I, I really not a physical person. And after we were done, we stood up and 
I probably gave this person the longest hug I've ever gave anyone in my life. And it was weird for me, but it was okay because they needed it. And I love this person so much. But it was just an awesome moment where God spoke to me, spoke through me, and this student's life was changed, right? And then I always think of of after our sermons, during our altar time, and even after altar, altar time, we have students who linger until we shut the music off, until we shut the lights off, they're in here worshiping and praying, or until their parents drag them out the doors one way or another. They're, they're desiring to know God more. This summer we had an event in our camps where we had an event where one donor paid for every student that wanted to go to go to Worlds of Fun. That's a huge win where someone in this church invested in students' lives. It might seem like it was just a random thing going to Worlds of Fun, but that is an opportunity to show what living like Christ is like in the secular world. And then there was people who were willing to donate for kids to camp. It was like the week before, the day before, I got, hey, I got someone who wants to go to camp. I'm like, oh, I don't got no money, but we'll announce it. And we had money before the end of service was over. And so that was awesome. We have multiple students that are up and coming in high school that have made the decision to attend Christian colleges. And if you go in almost any room in this building on a Sunday morning, you will probably find a youth member somewhere in that room helping out, doing something. I know there's people back with Miss Amber. There's people down here and the other kids. We have kids who help out in the nursery, students to help out. That's all because you guys have poured into these students and helped them to be what they need to be. Now, those are some wins, but we also have some needs in youth ministry. It's youth ministry. We have needs, right? First thing is prayer. Always pray for us. Guys, our students aren't facing different temptations than we faced in our generation, but they're facing them in such a way that it's right at their fingertips. There's things that we had to work for to get that they can access without even trying. Pray for our students. This, this past few months have been really rough for some of our students. Just pray that God works in their lives. Pray that these temptations and everything that's going on, that they are able to overcome them, not through their power, but through God's power. Guys, prayer is probably the best thing that you can do for youth right now, is pray that God works in their lives in amazing ways. I love the lines in, in uh, National Youth Convention. We have an unconventional generation with an unconventional anointing by God. Guys, we need to be praying for our students that God would get a hold of their lives and keep them, right? Next thing is giving. Just like I said, we have students all the time that can't make it to events. And like Fall Youth Convention is coming up. If you guys could give so some of those students that aren't normally able to can make it, that'll change their world. Because we have uh, most of our students that come on Wednesday nights are low-income students. They're students that their parents are having a rough time. And so we bust them in, we van them in, and we want them here, right? I haven't had any bananas in the baptismal yet because it's normally covered, but I'm sure if it was uncovered, there would be, right? I haven't broken a urinal, though, so score, all right? And the last thing, I think every area in our church needs volunteers. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. God can use you. We need volunteers for youth ministry. We need volunteers for children's ministry on Wednesday nights. We need people who are just willing to stand in. Even if you feel like, well, I don't have anything to offer, you do. You have a presence that can, that can spend time with a student. I'm not a people person. I'm an introvert. But I can spend time with one or two students, and so can you. 
Some of you guys are extreme extroverts and, and you're good with people. Come join youth ministry. We have students that need love. We have students that need godly examples. We have students that need to see what other Christians are like besides the ones that they see all the time. So those are the things. Pray for us. Pray for the leaders. Pray for our students more importantly. Give if you can, even if it's time, and then volunteer. All right, thanks, guys, for everything that you do. Truly, me being a youth pastor, I can't do it without you. You guys are what truly makes it happen. And I believe Amber's going to come up, and she's going to share her side. Good morning. So some, um, I've been asked just to share some wins and needs also from the kids' church side. Um, which will probably be a little bit similar to what Pastor Kenny said on the youth side, but just, you know, on the younger side. So with kids ministry, we've got both our um, Calvary kids on Sunday mornings and then our Power Kids on Wednesday nights, which we're about to kick back off again as school starts. Um, Wins for our kids ministry have really just been numbers. We've been We've been growing, and it's amazing to see that we've been growing as our church grows, and we've been getting new families. We've also been getting those new kids that have been coming in our kids' ministry consistently, which has been really good to see. We have also have kids that are bringing their friends from school, and then those friends are staying. And those friends are what then bring those families in. And those friends are the kids. When we get the kids and we can get the families, and we are winning souls for God that way. So that's a huge win in our kids' ministry is getting those new kids in and then keeping them, and they are consistently in our Sundays and our Wednesday nights just learning about God, and then they take those things home to their families, and then they get to hear what's happening in their lives. And so it's, it's really good to see the things that God is doing in our children's ministry. Also, in this summer, we had VBS, and that's always a huge win in kids' ministry is seeing those kids. We had about 50 different kids come through our church during the week of VBS, and those were kids from our community, not just kids that were from our church. So it's awesome to see um, all the kids in our community coming into our church and learning those little bits of nuggets about what God does and the things that he can do for them and that God loves them and cares about them and then they can take those with them and remember them. And so with wins, there's also, as Kenny talked about, always some needs and a huge need is always just prayer. You know, kids ministry is not always easy and so we need prayer on the side of leaders but also prayer for the kids. I think that as the world is changing Generations of kids are dealing with harder things a whole lot earlier than previous generations, than my generation or some of your generations. These kids, as they have access to phones and internet and what the world thinks of them and the things that they are dealing with is happening a whole lot earlier than it ever has before. So prayer is a big thing that is needed in the lives of these young students, that they are going to school to school and dealing with peer pressure and dealing with comparison and dealing with temptation a whole lot earlier than what one may think. And so prayer is always a big thing on the side of praying for our students and that they would continue to seek God and know that God is where their worth comes from and God is who cares about them and loves them. And then always, I think we say it all the time, we need people as well. 
Um, our kids' ministry is shifting, and we need some people that are willing to take some time out of their week to volunteer on Wednesday nights. I know we, we need some volunteers on Wednesdays, some band ministry. Those are things that it's, you're not just a warm body. You are somebody that is pouring into the life of these kids and being a part of their journey with God. And for the rest of their life, they can look back on that one person that drove the van and decided to pick them up so that they could come to church on Wednesday nights. And that's where their journey starts in their relationship with God. So definitely some people, are all, volunteers are always needed, or as prayer partners, giving in ministry as well, that goes towards the different things that we are able to do throughout the year and their outreaches. So just as we talk about, you know, next generations, it starts with the kids, and it starts with building up those relationships with kids that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. Thank you, guys. Thanks. So you've heard the great things that God is doing in our youth and our kids' ministry, and you see some of the challenges we need. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? And you may say, you know, I keep hearing volunteer, and I don't want to be in there the rest of my life. You don't have to. If you want to volunteer until Christmas to try it out, go for it. Maybe God's speaking to you or prodding you or dragging you <laughs> and saying, hey, I want you to jump into kids. I want you to jump into youth and just, just see. Uh, we do do background checks before you allow people to volunteer, so don't let that scare you off. But we'd love to have you come and help. And even if you say, you know what, I'll show up on Wednesday and give kids hugs when they walk in. That's great. They need that. I remember when I was a teenager, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 16, and I would go to youth. And high school was hard even back then. This was in the mid-90s. But I remember when I came to church, that youth ministry, that was my safe spot. That was a place where I got encouraged, I got poured into and I didn't have to worry about all the dumb things people were doing at school or people were saying. I knew I could go there and God would meet me. And that's what we want for these youth and these teens. So, Father, we thank you today. You've called us to pour into the next generation. That starts at home. But then it also carries over as a church family pouring into this next generation that you love so much. And Lord, I pray that today, if you're speaking to some of our hearts, maybe about volunteering, maybe about finding a neighbor or a friend, or a kid's friend, or a grandkid to pour into. Lord, that you would bring faces and names. And that, Lord, I know some of us feel like we don't have anything to offer. Lord, would you show us what we have that we can use to pour into this next generation? Maybe it's mentoring parents. Maybe it's mentoring a neighbor kid. Maybe it's someone on our team. Maybe it's someone that uh, our kids run into at school. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's coming in and being a volunteer on Wednesdays or driving a van or riding in a van, but Lord, would you speak to our hearts? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I can't really volunteer because I don't have that relationship with Jesus that you're talking about. I sense God speaking to me that, that I want to start a relationship with him, or maybe I've had one a long time ago, but I'm not where I want to be, and I want to make things right with him. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at? We want to pray with you this morning. Uh, we're going to say a prayer this morning, and, and this is not magic. This is just you talking to the Lord and saying, I want you to come into my life. I want to commit my life. I want to recommit my life to you. 
So would you pray this with me here, all of you at home, would you just pray this with me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me, even when I was unlovable. Thank you for dying in my place so I could be forgiven. And I admit that I messed up. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I want to pour into that next generation. God is speaking to my heart. Now, I just want to pour into them. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pour in. Maybe it's adults. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's teens. Maybe it's my neighbors. Father, I just pray that today you would help us as we are willing to pour into that next generation. Pour into our kids. Pour into grandkids, great-grandkids, neighbors, kids at church, kids in the community. Father, help us to pour into that next generation. Lord, help us to mentor the adults that are coming behind us. To help them to be able to raise up and, and take the reins and take your church into the next generation. Father, would you help us to be intentional and to see those opportunities. In Jesus' name.